again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast. We're on episode number 131, and uh, we are the podcast that talks about all things Orlando City and Orlando Pride related. Uh, we are the, I guess, associated podcast with the Mainland.com. And uh, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of that particularly uh, particular website. Joining me, as always, David Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, what do you say? I say that I'm feeling very associated today, um, given that intro. So, um, yeah. We're very I, disassociated, actually. <laughs> we're, we're dis something. All right, so we got a lot to talk about, Dave, I think. There's a couple of games that we've had since you and I last talked on the uh, internet airwaves. Starting with a trip to uh, D.C., or actually Boyd's, Maryland, to play uh, the uh, – to play DC United uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Yes, indeed. And um, that was uh, Sands head coach, only interim head coach. Uh, Bobby Murphy took over the team, took them to DC, and uh, we got a new lineup, David. Yeah, a, a new lineup that uh, I... I can't remember if you uh I, I think both of us said eh, nah, they'll probably just bobby murphy won't mess with a lot of stuff and and lo and behold he goes and proves us wrong yes uh i want to give a shout out to ryan smith who uh, talked about a uh a 5-4-1 um with three center backs on the uh the us open game, cup game was a 3-4-3 three, three. uh we had we had a, a question uh about from somebody saying you know do you see this happening? And, and it was, you know, five, four, one. And I, a long time ago said, uh, back in March said, no, 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 we're not going to do the, we're not going to do that because of the, um, you know, the center back situation with the depth. That's probably not likely. And then, uh, also, um, somebody had asked recently, you know, would, do you think it would happen? And I said, no. So of course I'm wrong. Um, and Bobby Murphy did surprise everybody, including, uh, Ben Olson, the coach of DC United, uh, he said so after the game that they, he was not expecting that. I don't think anybody was expecting that, Dave, but it was um, an interesting time to break that out, knowing that three days after that game, there would be another uh, match and uh, against Montreal. And not only because of the short week, but also because of the fact that Lamine Sané hadn't played in over a month. And all of a sudden, he's not only starting, but he's going to go... Not 90 minutes, Dave, but 120 minutes. <laughs> and he wasn't the only one either. Uh, it was it was a little bit insane. Um, you're right, Bobby. Uh, Bobby surprised the world on that one. Um, it, it, matter of fact, I remember you tweeting something about it, and uh, you're shocked. I said, "Let's get the, weird, uh, Bobby." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and weird he did get. So it was, uh, and like you said, Ben Olsen was. You know, he came out fully admitted. He's like, yep, nope, had no idea. Took us by surprise. Yeah, it it wasn't a great game, I will say. It was um, it was a workmanlike game. The Lions went out there, and of course, the right off the bat, there's a 90 minute weather delay, so that's going to even make uh, life more uh, difficult and uh, miserable. So 90 minutes goes, you know, go by, and then uh, then you start really late, and uh, the team has to come back out and do warm ups again, and uh, and then they kick off, and DC is like all over Orlando City, and it didn't really take them long to score. And 
you're behind again because that's that's what Orlando City does. It falls behind. Oh, every single time. And and we should give a shout out to our, our last guest who warned us of the propensity for lightning delays at the Maryland Soccerplex. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Jason Anderson definitely called that. He called a weather delay. And uh, so it was. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's. It's good to see that Orlando City responded uh, a goal from Justin Miram. Um, just a routine shot, but I mean, sometimes it's if, been saying it basically since the now seven game losing streak in the league started. Get some shots on target. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, Miram gets a shot on goal. It's right at Steve Clark, but he can't handle the wet ball. And uh, it was pouring at the beginning of that game. And uh, it goes in the net and it's 1-1. And, uh, you know, who would have thought that would be all done scoring? Uh, yeah, it was it was nice to, like you said, to actually get a ball on frame, have it go in, kind of la-di-da, but um, it, it is what has been missing. And, you know, good for Justin on, on doing that. Um, it, as you said, ugly game between rain delays or, or lightning delay. Um, wet pitch, rain, all that. None of it was there. There wasn't anything pretty about it. Um, and, the, and then it, you know, to go the length that it did also not pretty. Yeah. And, and it looked like it was another one of those games where Orlando city could not, uh, could not score, even though no, no matter what chances, uh, the team had, they, they, it took them a while to start getting some shots on target. And then Steve Clark actually did make a couple of really nice saves, um, he absolutely robbed Josue Coleman in the uh, late in the uh, thing. So late in the, I, th- I think it was late in the regulation or just after, maybe just after the start of extra time. But um, it was another one of those games. And at the end of this thing, you look up and you go, 21 shots, Dave, three on target. And now we're going to penalties, a team that can't hit the net. So what happens? Five for five hitting the net, except my one got <laughs> saved, but it was on target. <laughs> yep. So, well, uh, yeah, it's yeah. You you go into that and you're like, uh, as you say, uh, they can't seem to hit it. But for whatever, evidently, if if it's if the ball's you know just sitting there, then that's been the whole problem th- this whole time is they've had to be trying to shoot while the ball's been moving. I guess so. If so. we could just get the other teams to let us put the ball in place and take shots, I think we can win games. Yeah, I mean, there's there's too worried about defenders and angles and th- things like that, and I guess and you can't yeah, can't, can't uh, worry about uh, you know technique when you got all that going on. It's only when there's no defenders and uh, you're right in the middle that you don't have to worry. You know, the technique is just second nature at that point. But uh, yeah, so it was nice to see um, the team come out and and do well in penalties in advance. I want to stress this because I. I I hear people talk about the win in a penalty shootout and all of this. And I think to myself, it's a draw. Okay. The team didn't win. It drew. It just used this shootout mechanism to advance because you have to have some way to figure out who gets to move on because they don't do replays like, uh, like the FA cup or whatever. So it was a draw. It was not a loss, mm-hmm. but it was not a win, <laughs> and uh, it was nice to see that the team advanced, and it was it was pretty dramatic. And if, if you're going to go on a road and, and be in the miserable rainy conditions, at least you should uh, you should get something out of it. And Orlando City did that. 
let me be very clear. I hate penalty kicks, uh, or, or when it's when it goes down to, to PKs. I just I can't stand a match being decided that way, except when it works out in our favor. Let's be honest. Um, so <laughs> I was, you know, it it was very late after all the delays, and I'm you know watching that, trying not to wake up you know the people in the house when I'm you know yelling that uh, as each one goes in but um you're right so i mean we advance uh, of course uh no surprise uh neither of us predicted that um we both predicted a loss you three one me two one and uh one of those times where i'm really glad we were wrong even though we're wrong all the time but this time i was i was really glad yeah me too um we'll uh I got to say that the the whole thing really um, the tone was set really early in the penalty kicks. Uh, Will Johnson slots his home, and then Yamil Assad steps up and uh, is denied by the uh, the landlord Earl Edwards Jr. with the stop. And uh, Earl Edwards had some big saves in that game. Um, not a lot of tough saves, but some some pretty close in saves. And in when the ball is wet. Uh, half the battle is not putting that rebound out where somebody can pounce on it and put it in. So I'd say overall for that match, um, Earl's going to get my man of the match. Absolutely. If, if for no other reason than the, the save on the, on the penalty kick, but also the other one that was between his legs that he, he reached back with the left hand and managed to keep from going in. It was, it was just odd. Um, but I mean, it, it made all the difference. So yeah, he, he did have a, uh, he, he had a really good game in a, in what is a, a messy, uh, ugly game. But, uh, if your goalie can do that, then that's, you know, he did, he did exactly what was expected of him and, and, um, you know, hats off to him. Absolutely. And he, you know, Josue Coleman did did a nice job coming in uh, off the bench and, and providing some energy. He was very dangerous. Probably should have scored a goal or two, but um, uh, Clark did rob him blind on one shot, and then he missed the net on, on another one, but not by much. Um, he had an opportunity with the with the net empty, but he was at a really severe angle, and um, <clears throat> he didn't get it on frame. So uh, that was a, a, a that would have been one he'd have been kicking himself for if he hadn't uh, scored the winning penalty and uh, and you know. Uh, advanced his team in the tournament. So uh, good job by him. Uh, good job by Earl to stop that one that you mentioned. It was a weird header that got deflected. It was almost the case of Justin Miram scoring for both teams because it came off his foot. And um, <laughs> I think it was Miram. It might, yeah, it was Miram. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if it was him or question, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was Miram. He got, he got the boot up and uh, the ball just kind of hit it at a weird angle and just squirted right at Earl Edwards Jr. So, uh, the bottom line is the tournament's still alive. They're in the quarterfinals. This equals the, the team's deepest run in the tournament, which has been done twice previously, once in uh, 2015 and then once in the USL era. Um, the team has uh, lost both of those quarterfinal matchups to the Chicago Fire. And uh, the good thing is, Dave, they're not playing the Chicago Fire. They're playing at the Philadelphia Union in July. That's correct. No Fire, uh, only the Union to take on. And... Um, you know, as weird as this season's been, I almost kind of feel good about the, the open cup, which means it's going to come back and, you know, bite me in the rear end. But, uh, uh, you know, if you can, if you can get out of a, uh, extra time PK, uh, game like that to, to advance, 
I'll take it every time. And if it if the same thing happens against Philadelphia and and we advance again, I'm good with that too. Yeah. And unfortunately, if there's another team that's good in the U.S. Open Cup that's not typically good in MLS play, besides Chicago, it's uh, the Philadelphia Union, <laughs> who have gotten to a couple True. a couple of uh, semifinals in recent years. I think a final is not too long ago. So. Um, it's going to be interesting. We'll see if the team has a new coach before then. We'll see how strongly they feel about that competition when they come in and how they approach that. But that, I guess, will put a bow on the U.S. Open Cup game, and we'll talk a little bit about the MLS match in Montreal, which was another matter altogether, um, I guess is the easiest way for me to put it. Okay, so Dave, the Montreal f- game, it was the second straight game against Montreal in league play. And Part deux. Montreal had won the first one 3-0. Surely Orlando City would get its revenge, but no. <laughs> it would not <laughs> because that was just a dog of a game. And I don't just mean by Orlando City because, you know, three shots on goal on Wednesday, one Dave, one shot, one lousy shot on goal on on uh, Saturday night. Ooh. It was not it was not a good game. Um, it, it was a game that was certainly there for the taking, but uh, Orlando did the thing that it always does and gives up the first goal. And this time, in just a heartbreaking fashion, because uh, yeah. Mateo Mancosu just sc- sent a screamer of a cross in, and uh, Lamine Sané just tried to do a routine, knot it out for a corner, and uh, and get it out of here and make sure it's not dangerous. But instead, he didn't get a good enough contact on the ball, and it skipped off of him a bit, and and uh, you know beat Joe Bendick to the near post and made it one nothing. <laughs> uh, so two games against Montreal, and Orlando City scored two of their goals. Yeah, that's um, that's not good. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that's that's not a way to win games uh, against any team. Um, uh, yeah, poor Sané. That's one of those ones. Where, like you say, I mean, he's he's just trying to make a good play, and uh, you know maybe he needed more hair. I don't know, but whatever it was, it just it didn't work out. Grow some hair, Sané. Grow some hair. Uh, you could have you could have gotten that one over the crossbar. Dang you're it. Brutal, Dave. You're brutal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I want to just pause that right there because, you know, going into this game, I thought, man, it's going to be interesting. I wonder what we're going to get. I wonder if it's going to be like uh, Tony Rocha and Chris Schuler at center back, or maybe right. one, of, one of the three from Wednesday can maybe be paired with somebody fresh. But no, Bobby comes back with the three, four, three again, and he <laughs> plays five guys that went 120 minutes in a waterlogged field on a waterlogged field. On Wednesday, and my immediate thought on seeing that lineup was, "This is not good, Dave. This is not a good, a good thing." Maybe this... Bobby thought that he surprised everybody the first time with that, and um, nobody would expect those guys to come out and play, and so it would be another surprise. Well, the problem is that the teams, you know, it's it's only on like cartoons where people fall down in shock. It's not oh, like it's not right. like a real thing that people do. They don't just like keel over and let you <laughs> score goals on them. Um, but yeah, so it was. <laughs> It was um, all three center backs played 120 minutes in the rain on Wednesday. And then up front, your your oldest uh, midfielders in question at Merrim both played 120 minutes. <laughs> like, oh, really? Really? We're going to put them back out there? Okay. 
uh, let's see what happens. Well, we saw what happened. It was a, a just a butt ugly game. I guess there's no other way to say it. Um, and of course, Ignacio Piatti got his uh, his mandatory uh, league league sanctioned goal uh, against Orlando City. Um, I think it's required, yeah, not just it sanctioned. It's 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 actually required. Yes. It's it's a part of everybody's it's in his contract. contract. Yeah. Yeah. So. Piotti gets yet another one against Orlando City, and it's a, it's a 2 nothing game, and really there's nothing much you can say about it. I guess Sonny nearly made up for his error uh, with a shot on goal, the only shot on goal, so maybe the center backs need to play forward since they can put the ball in the net. You know what? Call up Bobby and tell him that because nothing would be bigger surprise than the center backs <laughs> playing forward. Yeah, it was, it was, we're going with a 4-4-2. With Tarek and Sané up front because they've scored the last two goals that Orlando City has scored. Uh, Trey uh, Dom Dwyer is going to be at center back. Oh, it's crazy. Um, I don't mean to make little of the, you know, the be or belittle the seventh loss in a row, a club record, uh, but not the longest in the league this year. We still have time to set that. Um, Colorado lost eight in a row earlier. Uh, but well, it's it, one of those things where it, we either laugh about it or we cry about it, and I prefer to laugh about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, basically, once Montreal got the goal, the own goal, they just uh, said, you know what, we're parking. It's it's a park job, and uh, dared Orlando City to break them down. Orlando City didn't break them down often, and when they did, they could not hit the net. They could just absolutely not hit the net because. Why would you? Why would you hit a net? Why would you be a professional soccer player and actually put a shot on the goal frame? To be fair, it wasn't penalty kicks. <laughs> there were there was no spot kicks. There was no spot uh, kicks. I don't so... even know that there was even a legitimate uh, half chance to get a penalty in that game for Orlando City. I think uh, the closest may have been Mueller going down in the box, but he had already lost control and there was really nothing in that. That was that was definitely never a penalty. So well, and that's because um, Mueller was the only one that had any kind of legs to get forward enough to be able to possibly get a foul drawn on him. Yeah, I, I mean, I almost hesitate to ask for a man of the match for this game because there was just there was just it was garbage. It was just absolute garbage soccer from a, a five of the 11 just looked like they were running and putting. And, you know, I, I thought there were some decent moments with the defense. I thought Uri Rossell, who who was one of the players that didn't play on Wednesday, played very well. Um and uh, and I guess uh, the the other lone good thing really that came of it is we got Scott Sutter back on the pitch uh, late in the game as he came in as a substitute and he actually uh, made that right side a lot more dangerous after he was introduced and had, had a couple mm-hmm. of nice crosses into the area and some some good uh, interplay he had one moment where he had a cross blocked and he hustled all the way back to be the one guy who uh, who thwarted a, a breakaway. So he was, um, you know, really hustling out there. It was good to see him out there. And for that effort and for the energy he brought, uh, I'll give him my man of the match. I, I have to agree. He did a great job of reminding you why we've missed him. Um, like you said, with just it, getting up and down the field, um, doing crosses, which is something that he is, he is exceptional at. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Sutter for me as well, uh, you know, Mueller, I, I love Mueller. I really do. I mean, the, the, there is, there was no quit in that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, regardless, um, yeah, Scott, Scott gets my man in the match as well. So seven L's on the bounce and, um, you know, 
it isn't going to get any easier. Uh, no, it actually gets harder. Going to Atlanta this weekend, and it's, uh, you know, looking ahead at the schedule, it could be 10. It could be, I mean, the, the, the league record's 12, Dave, and I'd, I, it wouldn't shock me if this team set a new a new league record for losses in a row. It wouldn't shock me if they went out to Atlanta and won. It just nothing would shock me about this team. Um, I guess I well, would be a, sure. I, would, I would be a little shocked if they won at Atlanta actually, but it wouldn't hey. be it wouldn't it wouldn't um, it wouldn't be the most surprised I've ever been at this team. But uh, I didn't think that this team during the six game winning streak, the way they were playing, and even the way they lost some of those first few games of the losing streak. I didn't think this team was capable of losing seven games in a row and they proved me wrong, Dave. They've done a really good job of proving us wrong <laughs> all year. Um, we, they proved us wrong against Montreal. Again, uh, you predicted a two, one uh, loss. I predicted a two, two draw. You, you were more right than I was in a two, a two nil loss, but uh, yeah, still, you know, since we've uh, as listeners will know, we've started actually keeping track of this stuff. We have yet to be right. Well, once. and that's that's not gonna that's not gonna change. So let's not no, worry. it's not. And and if we were to actually go back and look at it, I'm sure we would find that we were wrong almost every time. Pretty much. Well, you know, it's it's hard to predict exact scores. I mean, we we put ourselves out there every week. Um, so I'll start with Bobby Murphy's comments after the game. Bobby is, uh, you know, he was he was very direct, and he immediately said. I didn't get this team ready to play. I didn't make the right team selection. Um, you know, he took the blame until he didn't. Yeah. Uh, he then said, um, all I can do is ask guys if they can go. And if they say, yeah, I put them out there. And so he, he took the blame and then he threw the players under the bus for uh, essentially lying about their, you know, ability to, it, what was really interesting is he said, that Chris Mueller, he said, he, Chris, uh, you know, what can you give me? Chris said, eh, 30 minutes, maybe 45. So that was honesty. But all the other all the other guys, the, you know, the guys that started apparently said, yeah, good to go. Feeling great. Generally speaking, professional athletes will not ever say they can't go. It's a it's a mentality thing. And it's one of the reasons why they're able to reach the, the high level that they've reached as an athlete is that they will always go. Even when they're injured, tired, doesn't matter. They will go. And they are the worst judges of their ability, which is where the coach and the training staff and everybody else comes in to go, yeah, no, you're wrong. And you're going to sit for a bit, um, which unfortunately, you know, that – so. I, uh, Give it up to Bobby initially for saying that he uh, he was at fault, but then, like you said, he kind of threw it back on him. So, uh, got to take it. He's he's at zero now. He he was plus one, then negative one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a draw. You, it was a draw. Yeah, you, you, you know, he's interim coach or not, doesn't matter. He's he's still the current coach, and he's got to be able to make that assessment and make those decisions. What I like about Bobby is he's a he's a hardworking guy who's who's very no nonsense and very direct and very honest. Um, he seems like he gives you an honest answer. And if he's, this isn't good enough, what I, I, I obviously didn't do a good enough job and all of that. And I, you know, you take that and you say, okay, but you know, there's a reason he has, he's been, you know, in charge of, you know, sort of a liaison between the, the club and the youth system. And, and he's been in charge of, uh, you know, youth setups elsewhere 
is you know he's not an MLS coach. He's this is not his his thing, and he's um, you know he absolutely made the wrong decision to play those five players uh, after going 120 minutes in the rain on Wednesday. That you you have to know. He told us that Sasha Kleshin ran 17 kilometers on Wednesday. How can you put a 32 year old out there <laughs> on Saturday night to run another 10? Um, it's it it's it defies logic. Uh, Miram's not that much younger, and he went. I mean, he came out in the 119th, I think, uh, because I think his replacement Jose Villarreal. I think Jose's first touch of the game was when he carried the ball to the spot for penalty kicks. Yeah, pretty um, much. And he, he was the only one that missed. But, I mean, he didn't miss. He put it on frame. It was saved. Um, it, it, it should be telling that when what, you know, when one of your young guys, who I've said on this podcast reminds me of the Energizer Bunny, says he can go 30 to 45. Yeah. You should, you should, you should, you should be able to go, well, then – the 30-year-olds are not going to be able to do more than that. Right. Now, you look at these guys and you go, okay, Sané, just coming off an injury, Dave, he was arguably not 90-minute fit on Wednesday, and he went 120 minutes. Yep. And you're asking him to do another you know, another 90 uh, three days later. And Jonathan Spector has only played a game and a half since he'd come back. So, all right, I'm going to retract the uh, Sané needs to grow some more hair thing because it had nothing to do with hair. It had to do with the <laughs> fact that he couldn't, he didn't have the legs to get up that little extra bit to actually, um, you know, get that that the head on the ball properly. So, my apologies, Lamine. That was that was not anything that had to do with your hair. Yeah, and I will never tell somebody else that they need to grow more hair, uh, <laughs> given given my current situation. Um, so. You know, it had, for me, like I said, when I saw the lineup, it had disaster written all over it. Two guys coming off, just coming back from injury, who had just went 120 minutes in the rain. Uh, two of your older offensive players who went 120 minutes in the rain. It just, none of that looked good for me. And Bobby said, you know, I thought that the, the guys, from what we saw in training, from what they were telling me about how they felt... Uh, I thought that they would be able to get in, out there and give it a go. I thought we'd get a lift from some of the guys who didn't play. Um, and I thought Rosell did play well, and I thought that Dwyer did bring his usual energy, but he was he was largely canceled out of the game by the fact that Montreal was just parking the bus. Um, and uh, and Coleman had good moments. You know, he was a he was a late substitute in on Wednesdays uh, on Wednesday night. He had some good moments, but again, he's still just not quite where he needs to be right now. And I think you could say that about a lot of guys. And I just have to wonder, uh, you know, because that's all we can do, of how those two games would have played out had they waited and not fired the coach uh, when they did. Now, I'm not saying what they what they did is was right or wrong, because I think I've made pretty clear my feelings on on Jason Christ in last week's show and all throughout the season um and the point my point has always been you know I wasn't I wasn't at that point yet I wasn't there yet they were there they were at that point they made the choice to to fire him but I wasn't there yet and I may have gotten to that point but who knows? And we'll never know really what would have happened with those two games had uh, Jason not been fired. But I can tell you this. He probably isn't going to play 
three center backs for uh, 210 minutes in four days. No. And, you know, the argument will be, well, um, he would have played uh, his usual formation that uh, DC would have known about. We would be out of uh, Open Cup and then we might have lost the Montreal game anyway, blah, blah, blah. All that might be true. But to your point, mm-hmm. we don't we, we don't know. No, I mean, it's, hard, um, it's hard to say because I, I, I keep coming back to the fact that this team won six games in a row under Jason Christ. The team that did that was not the same team that lost the first five or six of the games in this losing streak. He was getting his guys back. We don't know if they would have gotten back into their old form or not. We don't know that. There's no way for us to know that. Well, not only that, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't even have everybody back. I mean, we're we're just now waiting for Yoshi to make his way back, uh, you know, from Russia. So Right, Yotun would have uh, been the only, uh, only one, really. Yeah, but how big of a piece is Yotun? I mean, I, oh, big, 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 he's big. he's big. So it's it's all a lot of of what ifs and and who knows. And and there's there's nothing to be said about it other other than if there was anybody out there who thought that getting rid of Jason Christ was going to solve all the problems, you were insane. <laughs> well, the problems that I've seen have been uh, throughout this throughout the losing streak has been finishing finishing didn't get any better after Jason left. It's uh, actually gotten worse. Yeah. So uh, I guess we won't beat the dead horse anymore about this. Let's move on to the coaching search. And we had uh, Alex Latow talk to us on Saturday night before the game. He says, Dave, I don't know if you're buying what he's selling. He says hundreds of interested candidates for the job. Yeah, that sounds like binders full of stuff, and I'm not buying it. <laughs> hundreds, Dave. Hundreds of ca- hundreds of candidates. Uh, I would. That would. To me, no, I'm not a math whiz. That's that means at least 200 applicants. You can't get hundreds without at least two hundreds. You do have to have 200s, and I don't know if there's that many qualified coaches at that level that are calling. Alex about this. Well, it may have just been a figure of speech, maybe just a little hyperbole, but uh, let's say there's a lot of candidates. The next thing, the, the most interesting thing he said to me, uh, to, to me, he said it's all of us, but to me, the most interesting thing he said uh, was that the new coach will be expected, Dave, to come in and win with this group. That doesn't mean that they won't make a tweak here and there in the, the transfer window that's coming up doesn't mean that uh, they won't sign anybody or maybe trade somebody. It just means, by and large, this is the group you're winning with. It's not a major rebuild. These are the guys we want to win with. And we think that the coach we hire is going to be able to do that. And the coaches that he has talked to, apparently, have assured him that they can win with this group. So that, to me, is very interesting on a number of levels. Number one... um, do you want to hire a coach who doesn't feel strongly about, you know, buying all the putting, ingredients? Putting their own the, mark you know, on it, right. Yeah, yeah. Buying all the ingredients for the meal they're going to cook. Um, do you trust a coach of that nature? Um, and are you getting the best candidates out there if you put that restriction on them? Well, all true. Um the other question that comes to mind for me is um, if you 
how much ego is there involved? I mean, we, we, we spoke about the ego of, of players earlier in that, you know, if you ask them if they're good to go, they're always going to tell you, yeah, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the same with a coach that's going to go, yeah, I can take these guys and I can make a winner. You know, it, it, it might be that now I, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but you might have somebody that goes, yeah, I can, you know, he can look at the roster and go, I, I see the pieces there. I can, I can move this guy here, move this guy there. And I hope that's what it is. I hope it's simply that, you know, somebody's looking at the roster and going, yeah, I can, I can make my system, whatever that is, work with the roster that you have. And, and there are a lot of good pieces. I mean, we spoke before the season after all the acquisitions were made of how um, excited we were at the prospects of, you know, all these guys coming in. And so it's, it's, it's a, we're, I, I hate to say it because it's, it's such a cop-out, but we, we simply have to wait and see who the heck it is before we can even make an, a, a really true, you know, honest assessment. No, and I and I wasn't suggesting those things. I was asking the question. I was not suggesting that um, that they you know, of course that the best coach. I mean, but if you're saying a coach with an ego that uh, thinks he can win with any group, uh, welcome Louis Van Hall. Welcome. Come on, come on in. Because <laughs> that's that's that strikes me as Louis Van Hall territory. Anyway, um, no, it, you know what Alex was saying kind of struck me as. He wouldn't name any names, but he kind of struck me as uh, hitting the same notes that kind of everybody's been on the pa- same page as. Paul Tenorio has um, has reported that uh, Caleb Porter has been interviewed for the job. We know Caleb Porter was at the theme parks here recently because uh, that came out on social media. Um, but uh, you know, it's just an important part of the job interview. Yeah. It's, Alex you wouldn't know, how do you say do it at Disney and Universal. Yeah, Alex wouldn't say. You know, he wouldn't give any names. He wouldn't give any clues or hints, but. He did talk about narrowing the candidates down into clusters. One of the clusters is young coaches who are deserving of a shot in MLS. I think you can extrapolate from that. James O'Connor and uh, Amarco Dos Santos. Um, he talked about uh, player uh, coaches that have been successful in MLS. I think you can extrapolate Caleb Porter. Uh, and then he talked about other coaches from, as he put it, other ecosystems uh outside of mls overseas which i think you can tell you you know the names have been out there uh of uh, scolari um i know the name carlos caros has been brought up by some people i haven't heard it from anybody that i trust as being a potential reality i don't know what the what the possibility of that is iran just got just got uh, eliminated from World Cup play. In fact, they came within four feet of not being eliminated from World <laughs> yeah, Cup right, play. Exactly. Uh, but um, you know, it was uh, it would be interesting to see if that is an actual possibility. And then, of course, uh, you know, some people brought up Dunga because you got to bring up a Brazilian every time uh, you talk about this club. So um, we won't know anything for a while. Um, Alex backed off from his uh, what he told Jordan Culver of wanting to name a, you know name somebody you know put out a name next week. Uh, it is that week now. Uh, it's you know we're we're in that week that he was talking about and he's that would be right now. Yeah, he kind of uh, backed off from that and said yeah you, there's not an exact timetable on this and you know the only thing I see is that the more games with uh, Bobby Murphy in charge the the further you're going to probably 
put yourself out of uh, contention and and it's not a knock on Bobby this is just not what he's you know this is not his jam you know right and but you know let's if they were to make a quicker decision and it's the wrong one then you're not in you're you're in just as bad of a situation maybe worse going forward so I, I'm of the mind of okay <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, you know, I know there are people out there who think that we're going to get this incredible coach and it's going to be the right hire and they're going to turn around, they're going to make the playoffs and we're going to win open cup and, and all that. Uh, could that happen? Sure. I, personally, I'm, I'm staying open to the possibility of that happen, but the realistic part of me is saying, all right, well, you know what? If if it takes time to make the right hire, because we have to. There's no choice now. There is no there is no going back. So if if I have to sacrifice, and I it, believe me, I don't want to, but if I have to sacrifice this year to get the right person in so that going forward we're better, I'm willing to do that. Um, I hope that that isn't the case. I hope that whoever comes in can turn it around. But at the same time, I'm I'm incredibly realistic about the challenges that are involved in doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking at this realistic too, and I I do think they need to get it right, and I do understand the need to take whatever time that entails. On the other hand, it the longer this drags out, the worse the timing was of the firing of Jason Kreis, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. So, and and I do want to clarify. I, I think that Bobby Murphy's a great guy. I think he he's a hard worker. He's certainly been a good soldier for the club. And I would nobody wants to see him win a game more than I do because he still oh, hasn't yeah. done that. He still hasn't done that. I just think that he's. he's I think the, he's I think in a tough spot. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, when Christ got fired, the assistants went too. I mean, he's he's yeah. on the bench with with the goalkeeping coach and Paul Shaw. I mean, it's not like he's he doesn't have a lot of help out there. I mean, it's not uh, we we joked about Lucas uh, the the you know from the communications department being an assistant, but uh, you know it's we're only one one or two steps removed from that. So, um, you know, I, hopefully Bobby will go out and get a win, even a signature win. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, this Saturday. I mean, Right. This is nothing. <laughs> don't let any of what we're talking about be misconstrued as we don't respect Bobby. We absolutely do. I mean, he's like you said, he's a, a complete and total uh, lying till the day he dies soldier for the uh, club. And um, I respect the heck out of him. But there's a you know, there's a reason he's in the position he's in and, and not, you know, coaching someplace. And, and right. it's not a knock. It's simply a fact. Yeah, he's he's doing uh, the best he can under the circumstances. So, um We'll see how it goes the rest of the way, but uh, as of right now, um, Bobby has now been in charge of the club for six games, and two of the, or sorry, yeah, two of those have been losses, and the other four have been draws. Well, you know what? So at least he's earned some points. Yeah, hey, you know, there you go. There's the positive. <laughs> he can do that. In fact, uh, I think a couple of those uh, draws were uh, were come from behind uh, things uh, back in uh, 2016. So uh, I know they were. I think they were behind two nil at Columbus. So, and I'm pretty sure they were behind. It may have been two goals at Vancouver. They came back in both of those games to draw. So, in fact, Bobby Murphy, you may not know this, he's won Julio Baptista missed penalty kick. From having a win. That's true. No, I do remember that. Yeah. If he, and, if he, uh, if he hadn't missed the net entirely against Vancouver, uh, <laughs> he would have perhaps given uh, Bobby a win. 
Ah, uh, the beast was not the best that day. No, no, that was that was he was not the beast. He was the least on that particular shot. Oh, <laughs> dang! Yeah, I know it's harsh because yeah. uh, even even Messi misses penalties. Uh, even Ronaldo missed a penalty. Ronaldo missed one. Yes. Ah, uh, man, it, and it, it almost sent uh, Portugal home in the end, the way things kind of broke. But That's anyway, an entirely different discussion we're not yes. going to get into. So let's move on. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Orlando City a little bit later. Uh, let's talk about the pride at the same time the Lions were playing uh, Montreal. Actually, not exactly the same time, because again on Saturday, weather delay, this time yep. only a half an hour. Um, so kicking off about an hour as it happened before the Lions the pride at the same Maryland soccer plex in Boyd's Maryland uh, against the Washington spirit. And I will say this, Dave, I didn't, it's the first game for the pride that I didn't get to see the whole game, but I had my monitor in the press box on that game rather than Mm -hmm. on the, rather than on the MLS game feed um, so that I could keep one eye on it. And as, as in as much as I was able to follow it, and believe me, there were times when I was watching the TV instead of the game out my window, <laughs> because that's how bad the game out my window was. Right. Um, it was not a good. It was not a good soccer game. It was a. It was a physical game from from Washington, which I assumed that we would see. It was um, not the crispest performance. I thought that the Pride tried to do a lot of. Well, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. I th- th- thought they tried to do a lot of dumb things with the ball, um, like like th- kicking a ball up over the top for Alex Morgan when Alex Morgan was not only by herself isolated, but surrounded by four players. And and then just completely over overcooking the ball so she had absolutely no chance anyway. So there, it was just a lot of – it just seemed like a lack of a, imagination in the attack. Um, they were, they were susceptible on the counter, although they didn't concede. So that's good. Um, and, uh, and really lucky to get the win because, uh, with former pride goalkeeper, Aubrey Bledsoe wandering just a little too far out from her, uh, box, mm-hmm. Alana Kennedy said, uh, I'll take that ball at midfield and I'll put it in the net from here. And, uh, goal of the week. Yes, uh, we found out earlier today Alana Kennedy did get the goal a week, which was an absolute no-brainer. Um, it was if if she was if she was ten feet past the uh, the midline, I'd be shocked. It was inside uh, the center circle. It was inside the center circle. I mean, it was picture perfect, and it was one of those. Uh, there's a reason it was goal of the week. It was absolutely beautiful. If you haven't seen it by now, and you listen to this podcast, what the heck are you doing? You should have seen it by now, and if you haven't, <laughs> go, go watch it. Oh my goodness! Go look at it. Go look yeah. at it. It was no, it was phenomenal, and and it, fortunately, it was all that the uh, the pride needed, um, you know, for that. Uh, of course, Harris also uh, earned save of the week, so a uh, double for the pride. Yeah, good save late in the game. Ashlyn wasn't tested that often, but she was able to get to that one. And um, it was it was uh, good to get a win against Washington because that's been a team that's, even when they haven't been good, they've they've given Orlando fits. So getting a, a win on the road uh, is good. And the Pride, second place in the league. They've gotten points in nine of the last ten. That's pretty darn good, uh, pretty darn good half a season. Well, not only that, but um, the the – first part of that was the stretch that we we talked about where it was uh on the road and it was going to be tough and as we head into the you know the later parts where it's it's more home games i mean 
nine out of ten points. I mean, yeah. you know, points. Uh, that's it. If you're not, um, if if you're worried about Orlando City and the fact that they've lost seven in a row, I say, well, then Orlando has a team for you. It's called the Pride. Go watch them. Yeah, and a lot of the tougher uh, matchups are done. You know, they've they've gone to Chicago twice. They've gone to Portland twice. They've played Seattle two of the three times they have to play them. They've played the Utah Royals two out of the three times they have to play them. Uh, a lot of the bottom feeders or the, or the lower half teams are coming up the second half of the season for the Pride and a lot more home games in the second half. So this could be, um, you know, I mean, it doesn't really look like anybody's going to catch the North Carolina Courage, but Probably Pride not. are the only the Pride would be the only team that could do that based on how their schedule set up. Uh, Marta didn't play the whole game. She came on as a second half sub. Uh, so, you know, her calf's still not quite there. Plus she traveled to Brazil in the middle of the week. Uh, she had permission to travel home for some, something, uh, personal reason. And Camilla made the bench, but she's not yet gotten into the swing of things. So this is a team that's starting to get players back. There's nobody listed as out for uh, tomorrow night. As we record this, the podcast will drop on Wednesday, the 27th. No one's listed as out for the dash game. Allie Krieger's been upgraded to, to questionable. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what team uh, Tom Sermani puts out there against the Dash, knowing that the Courage are coming to town on Saturday for an afternoon game. Very true. And that's, uh, you know, two uh, two games within four days or so. And, um, you know, you, you hope to get the uh, the points against the, the Dash. Um, but you, you definitely have to be looking at that uh, Courage game and, and a way to to dig back into them. So, uh, uh, you know, the nice thing is, is that the pride are pretty deep. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent that Sermani has to use in that. And, and even if he, you know, let's say brings Marta in on the 60th minute, um, you've got Christine Nairn who has been fantastic this season. I mean, she is, if, you want to go watch somebody that's fun to watch? Watch Christine Nairn. I mean, she does. She hustles. She does all the right things. Um, she's a good Twitter follow. It, it, there's <laughs> there's nothing that I don't love about Christine Nairn. I think she's she's phenomenal. She's always, I mean, her intensity, but also her joy in playing the game. It, it's fantastic. And that's not even mentioning obviously the Martas and the Morgans and the Larues and you know. So there's so much talent. Um, and there. Like you said, they're the only ones that are kind of up there with the courage in that respect, um, and and especially with the schedule lining up. So it's, uh, I'm very, I'm I'm extremely excited about uh, the pride uh, going forward, especially with you, even though there's two matches. Actually, I'm really excited. There's two matches this week. It's two chances to watch them. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fun. The thing about the courage that too is that the pride have a game in hand on them, and two games left with them. So there's actually a real opportunity for the pride to, to chase them down. Uh, like I said, if anybody's going to chase them down, it's going to be the pride. I don't think anyone else is going to do it, but um, yeah. And it may not be possible, but the, the thing about the pride is that they only have to beat them once really. And that's in the playoffs. Very true. And, and <laughs> the way, they're, the way they're playing, uh, you, Gosh, I, go go back a year ago, and you know the way that the Pride ended the season to get into the playoffs. There is, if there's any doubt that this team can make the playoffs this year, you're crazy. 
as crazy as you are if you think that uh, uh, Orlando City is going to find a coach that's going to turn them around that quick. All right. So the Pride in the Dash Wednesday night, 7.30. The Pride in the Courage Saturday at 3.30. That's a lifetime game of the week. If you are in town, go see them, or you will have Ashlyn Harris to deal with. Uh, Ashlyn was was asked point blank about some of the low attendance this year because Orlando's only had five home games, Dave. Three of them, though, have been on Saturday nights, and one has been on a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Not exactly the time that you can't take your school-age kids to a game. Uh, the game's going to be over so by no 7. So no excuses. Yeah, the game's going to be over by 7. You're going to have them at home in bed at bed by 8 o'clock. There's no reason that uh, nobody could come out for that game. So only one midweek game. And the, the club's down of about 1,000 uh, per game over last year, and they've announced two record lows this year already. Um, maybe... It's just a matter of getting more regular home games, uh, you know, getting getting the fans back into a rhythm of going out to see the see the team regularly. Uh, maybe that will help. Um, certainly, the the club is in much better form now than it was earlier in the year when it had more home games. Um, it kind of struggled out of the gate because there were a lot of uh, big star players missing. At the you know, you'll re- recall that the Australians and Brazilians were all missing at the same time, um, and. Uh, Alex Morgan had uh, had some injuries early in the year, so maybe that will help. But Ashlyn was very – she's always very direct, and she's always very matter-of-fact, and she will tell you exactly what's on her mind. And she, when she was asked, she said, I don't know what the deal is. We're doing our job. We're playing exciting soccer. We're, we're uh, winning. We're being successful. We've got two of the biggest stars to ever play the game on our team. Uh, we've got international players from all over the world – uh, the quality is good. We're doing everything we can on the pitch to fill the stadium. I don't know why the stadium's not being filled. And I concur. I've, I mean, I, I know that there are people that don't like women's sports for whatever reason. Um, you know, they don't think it's as good or whatever. But again, you go back to what you said. This is, if you support Orlando City Soccer Club, well, Orlando Pride are part of that club. And so it wouldn't hurt you to support a team from the club that's winning and doing things kind of the right way. Not only would it not hurt you, but if just the pure enjoyment of watching some of the best in the world play and win with your colors, it should be worth the price of admission no matter what. Uh, it, my only regret is that I live four hours away I I will tell you this. If I lived in Orlando, I would have season tickets to the Pride. I might have season tickets to the Orlando City, but I would absolutely have season tickets to the Pride because uh, I would be taking my girlfriend's uh, daughter to go see them. I mean, talk about um, women who are role models, who um, are in it for the love of the game. I mean, obviously, they don't make as much money as the men. They are sacrificing more. I mean, it's... Uh, if if you can't respect them, I I'm sorry. You know we try not to be too controversial, but if you can't respect what the women are doing, uh, my respect for you is going to go down a little bit. It's um, they're they're too good not to support. And um, I know that we have readers that that do support them. Um, we see them. I talk to them. You know in the comments all the time. Um, some of them are fantastic, um, but um, 
it's not enough. We, we need to have more out there, you know, going to the matches. Ashlyn Harris is absolutely correct in her assessment that they've been doing the work on the field and they deserve to have the support in the stands. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you can't, I know people get excited about Messi and Ronaldo. Well, Orlando's Orlando pride to have Marta, Alex Morgan, Sidney LaRue. They have the same equivalent players on the women's side. Not to mention Ashlyn Harris and then up and comers. I mean, you know, uh, heck, I, I'm a big Carson Pickett fan. She was at FSU. I live in Tallahassee. I think she's great. Yeah, Christine Aaron that I mentioned earlier has been absolutely outstanding all season. Um, Rachel Hill. Rachel Hill. Oh, my gosh. Rachel Hill coming on off the bench has been phenomenal this year. And, and you know, there's been arguments that she should be in the starting lineup. I can't disagree with that other than the fact mm-hmm. that she's been so good off the bench. It's, it's been crazy good. Crazy good she's team been crazy. to watch. I, and I, obviously I'm getting exasperated because I, I, I'm a big advocate for the pride. I'm getting incredibly frustrated over this. And I completely agree with Ashlyn. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to give you a minute to regroup and gather your thoughts, Bang. Dave, uh, as we, <laughs> we we're going to we're going to get to our uh, special guest this week. And uh, while Dave composes himself, we'll get to that interview right after this. All right. Joining us on the Mainland podcast this week, we are happy to have with us the newest lion. Uh, center back Shane O'Neill, who has uh, just recently been signed and uh, will be eligible to play with the club on July, uh, starting July 10th. Shane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for, for having me on. I know you're still in the process of, of moving and everything and getting everything taken care of, uh, but I want to welcome you to Orlando, first of all. And, and to, to start off, I just want to say, how did this thing happen with you ending up with Orlando City? How did this all come about? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I guess it starts probably going back to March, I would say. I, I started to kind of put the feelers out to my agent and stuff like that, that I was thinking about coming back to the MLS and uh, where I might be interested and stuff like that. And, you know, luckily for me, uh, Orlando was, you know, a a really, really great destination in terms of fan support and uh, just the the club itself, you know, one of the the, the clubs that's really on the rise within the MLS, um, and yeah, to be honest with you, it progressed quite quickly. You know, um, I came out here right when I got back from Rotterdam and really enjoyed the atmosphere at the game. And the situation with the team seemed very uh, promising for me at this time in my career. So, um, so yeah, it was a it was a pretty easy decision to be honest with you. Now you you mentioned uh, you know coming back and and the team being a, uh, a I assume a good fit. Um, it is an interesting time for you to finally join, um, you know, with the, the exit of Jason Christ and the uncertainty of of who the coach is going forward. Um, how how has that uh, affected you in the and and coming into it? it, it you know, what is that? Uh, what challenges is, has that presented for you? Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, 
pretty interesting time to get in. I think the first day was the day after Jason had been fired for me. Um, but to be honest, the, the group has been extremely welcoming and obviously being back on uh, U.S. soil is, is, is really nice and just being back in the MLS. So, in, in, I mean, obviously for me, it's kind of a, a fresh start no matter who the coach was. So it, it didn't affect me too much. And obviously I'm just kind of still working on building up my fitness and getting back to, to top form. And hopefully I'll be able to, to, to reach that when the new coach arrives, whenever that, whenever that may be. And in the, in the meantime, you know, doing everything I can to impress, you know, the current staff and, and itself. Shane, when you you came here, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, you looked at the roster and, and saw what was here, like most players would do that, and you see a Jonathan Spector, a Lamine Sané, an Amro Tarek. What, uh, how how much are you looking forward to learning from those experienced veteran guys, and and how much are you weighing that against competing with those same guys for for playing time? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of experience in that group. Um, obviously my three years in Europe didn't go exactly as planned, I would say, but I think I also gained some really valuable experiences, especially my second season. Um, and even last year, I think, you know, it was a fantastic experience, but I, I mean, yeah, we, the one thing I think that will be huge is being able to kind of, you know, in the area of it's like, a lot of young players you know so to be able to come into a situation like this where you've got a lot of older guys who have kind of been through the ring i would i don't want to say older but you know they've they've just been around longer and seen more and and yeah it will be interesting i I always like to kind of see and 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 pick the the brains and, and and just kind of and just analyze kind of how they do it um so it will be good and obviously from a playing time perspective you know, I, I'm really confident with what I bring to the table. Um, and, you know, I think it's it, 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 if I can kind of do what, what I believe I, I'm, I'm capable of and, and what I feel like um, I've proven in the past when I've been, you know, given opportunities, then uh, I, I feel good about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. The, the, the coming months and, and, and next season as well. Well, that being said, um, you know, what – what is it that you do bring to the table? What do you think that are the the best parts of, of your game? I definitely think, uh, you know, especially the last couple of years, I mean, I've always fancied myself as being a good central defender in terms of playing out of the back and enjoying to play out of the back and trying to find the winger between the lines and um, hitting the diagonal ball. But I think definitely the last few years, it's just kind of been honed a lot more especially coming from places where you where the system is so drilled and that's what you're expected of you is just to be able to build out of the back play out of the back um constantly so i think that's certainly a a good part of my game but you know i think the main thing would i would always say is my 1v1 defending i try and take pride in that try and take you know, you know, make sure that that's always at the, my best. Cause at the end of the day, I am a central defender. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I have a lot of room for growth and I, I, I'm excited to keep on working on my game, but I think those are my strong suits. 
Now, Shane, I, I, first of all, I had to tell you, I, I was looking up your your. I saw your inaugural goal, your first MLS goal on uh, on YouTube, and I have to say that's a hell of a screamer that you hit. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what what has cha- have you kept up with MLS, and, and if so, what has changed uh, over the few years since you left Colorado and uh, and now you return as a member of Orlando City? Yeah, I mean, the changes have been in, insane, to be honest with you. I have kept up with the league quite well, especially players that I was friendly with, um, one of being Dylan Powers, just kind of funny. So I did follow Orlando quite closely while I was gone. But, I mean, just to see the growth is the real, you know, I mean, you see these sold-out stadiums um, and you, uh, you see the younger players coming across and, the U.S. internationals wanted to go back earlier and earlier. I mean, it's, it's leaps and bounds, really. I think the main thing definitely being the support, I would say, and the passion. You know, you see these new clubs, obviously Orlando being one of them. I don't, yeah, I don't believe he, when I left, the stadium hadn't been built yet. So, um, you know, obviously you see the stadium here and, you know, you just kind of go across the board, really, with it. And you see, you know, Atlanta and all these other teams that were sprouting up LAFC with these new amazing stadiums that are packed. Um, it's pretty amazing to see that. So I, I, for me, like that's what I see as the big change is just teams with a bit of culture, teams with a bit of passion and, and pride. Because I think when I left, it was, you know, it was there, but it, not, not, not like it is now. So is that what was uh, prompting your interest in coming back to MLS, or was there was it that and something else? What what was it? For me, I think um, you know going over to Europe and playing as an American, um, it's a it's obviously it's a big challenge, you know, because I think you really need to find yourself in the right situation. You need to find yourself with a coach who kind of believes in you and a team that kind of takes you in for kind of who you are as a player. Um, and I think at knock Breda, that's kind of how I felt like they really kind of embraced, you know, me as a player, the coach embraced me and, you know, I ended up having the best season of my career. Um, sometimes you feel like you're kind of like, you know, fighting or losing just, you know, you're out, you're out there on your own kind of grinding and fighting and, um, maybe not received the same way. And so, you know, especially now when I come back and, you know, I see, I can kind of look at it from the other perspective and you see these guys coming from South America and all these other places, maybe by themselves, you know, you can definitely look at it from the perspective. Like I was kind of in that position, like I need to be able to reach out or help, you know, help this guy if I can, or, um, you know, help this guy feel confident when he's on the ball. And, you know, because those things are important. And I think, you know, um, for me, that was the biggest reason I wanted to come back is to kind of hit the reset button a little bit. I felt like I had an amazing experience. I, I, I think if one or two breaks kind of, you know, if one or two injuries could have been avoided, I could have really kicked on to the next level. But I, I, I have no regrets and I'm, I'm really happy to be in Orlando. And so I just look at it as kind of like this is a, a fresh start for me where I can really rebuild as, a, as an athlete you know, being able to try and stay healthy on the field and as a player and kind of really bring all the things I learned from Europe back to the MLS and, and really try and thrive back here. Now, Shane, you were a member of the 
the U.S. Uh, men's youth teams. Uh, is it is it on your radar at all to come back to MLS to to get in good form and maybe get back in the conversation to to get another look from the national team setup? Of course, you know. I mean, absolutely. That's a goal of mine. You know, I I. Uh... You know, I, I'm under no illusions, though, at the same time. You know, a lot of things have to, you know, go the right way. A lot of things, you know, you need, you need, you need a, you know, lucky breaks. You need to play well on the right day. Um, but at the same time, I know that when I've been at my best in the past, it's been, it's been very good. And I think for me, consistency and staying healthy is, is going to be, is going to be very important. And if I can do that, um, I definitely, in my mind at least, am not putting up any boundaries to what can be achieved with Orlando at all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I think I'd be lying if I told you that I didn't have one eye on hopefully coming back, getting into form, getting into top shape, and, and making another run at that. Now, um, obviously you're you're not available for selection until after you know July 10th. I think Toronto is the next game after that. Um but you've been, you know, you've been here for a little bit. You mentioned that you, you know, Dylan Powers. How, how has your experience been um, since you've gotten to Orlando? I mean, obviously you're moving and setting up phones and all kinds of other stuff. But as far as um, you know, uh, meeting the guys and um, you know, getting getting involved with the team itself, how's that been? I think it's been quite good. Um... Obviously, like you said, it's kind of an interesting time, and I'm not available for selection, so it kind of makes my situation a little bit interesting. You know, obviously, the team right now really needs to focus on uh, the results coming up, and obviously, I can't be involved with that, uh, regardless if I w- you know, would be, e- even if I could could be involved. I'm just saying, like, obviously, it's, it's, it's a mute point because, I, it's, you know, I'm not available. So in terms of that, it's been a little bit interesting, but on a whole, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, the club is fantastic. You know, I mean, it's the, the guys have been incredibly welcoming. I mean, from the first day, you know, you have stuff that's, you know, you can get taken care of in terms of, you know, uh, dietary or, or, or medical, whatever it kind of seems to be. It, it, it's, uh, it's taken care of, which is something I'm definitely not used to coming from. And, you know, you, it really makes you appreciate kind of what, you know, what you have here in the MLS and even in the past, in the MLS, something I'm not accustomed to. So in terms of, you know, the setup of Orlando city, it's, it's as good as I've seen in my career. Um, so that's, that's been a, a pleasure and, um, yeah, I think training other than the absolutely insane heat has been pretty good, but yeah, that, that, that heat is no joke. Yeah. It's not exactly Holland here. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> not. before we let you go, Shane, um, you mentioned Dylan and you guys played together in Colorado. How instrumental has he been in getting you kind of settled and situated here in Orlando? Oh, I mean, I couldn't speak highly enough, to be honest with you. He's been like a truly uh, great person for me the last week or 10 days, I would say, you know, just any, you know, always reaching out to see how things are going. 
Um, I really couldn't have been able to transition this easily without him. Um, he's a he's a great guy, so it's it's really nice to have someone like him around. And you know, I, I say this to Dylan a lot. You know, I've I seen him do things on a training pitch that not a lot of players can do. So I'm excited to kind of be able to push each other again and hopefully see him kind of get back in the eleven and and start really making a push again because I think you know. Uh, not only from off the pitch standpoint, where he's been fantastic, but I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to, to being able to see him day in, day out on the training field again because he's a top top player. And I think once he gets that kind of personality and swagger and confidence back, he's gonna it's gonna be really nice. So I'm looking forward to being able to push each other on the pitch as well. Yeah, he's been kind of a mystery for Orlando City fans because he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time and. The team hasn't been really that good uh, over the last year, year and a half. Uh, but, you know, they just see the guy with the crazy headband out there uh, every once in a while. But uh, you've seen him up close and personally. You've seen him during, you know, some of his best moments. And, of course, he's a former uh, MLS Rookie of the Year, so he's he's obviously got talent. Uh, you got any good Dylan Power stories to share with us before you go? Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I like in terms of funny, I'm not sure I have too many. He's a pretty even keel guy, but the one thing I would say in terms of who he is as a player, um, I, uh, I remember there was one off season where I was training with Redding and he had just, uh, he had just trained with Reading prior to me getting there. So he was at Reading for like 10 days. This is the championship club in England. Mm -hmm. And uh, he left. And this was when I was playing in Belgium. And I had just left the Belgian club. So I went to Reading on like a, you know, 10-day kind of just training to stay fit. And I remember getting there and, you know, guys like Anton Ferdinand and all these these guys uh, being like, oh, you knew that Dylan Powers guy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all every one of them being like, you know, hopefully we get this guy as soon as possible and sign him up, you know, and get the paperwork done because he was, he was a hell of a player. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I always have that in the back of my mind. I mean, I came away from the championship club and all these guys saying, like, we need to get this guy in our team as soon as possible. So I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about what kind of player he is. All right. Well, Shane O'Neill, again, welcome to Orlando, and thank you so much for being our guest on the Mainland Podcast. We hope to have you again sometime. Awesome. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. It's good to have Shane O'Neill aboard here in Orlando. Um, you know, it was good talking to him, and I, I hope that he has a, a bright future here. Absolutely. Well, look, as a... Uh, Irish, not quite as Irish as he is, but as an Irish American, I'm glad to have him because it's it's always good to have more of us. Uh, yeah, sure, I'll take your word. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing against. I have, I have Irish blood. Uh, I will uh, I will definitely uh, not uh, be throwing any stones. Um, anyway, Dave, it's time for our mailbag. We uh, you can ask the Mainland Podcast anything, anything, and you can do that in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at the mainland, and we'd like you to use that podcast uh, hashtag of AskTMLPC. Hashtag AskTMLPC. 
and uh, that stands for Ask the Mainland Podcast. And uh, you can also do it the old-fashioned way, emailing us. TheMainland at gmail.com is how you do that. So we've got a couple of uh, emails. We've got a couple of tweets, and we're going to get to those. And I'll uh, I'll start us off, Dave, with some, some uh, questions from the email bag. Let's start with friend of the pod, Lee Gavlick. Because uh, why not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So Lee has a question that I'm assuming is semi-serious and semi-not serious. He wants to know our Sasha question. And Justin Merrim, in fact, Terminator-esque cyborg sent from the future to destroy Orlando City SC. Um, Lee, I would say no. I would say that I personally think that the the disdain or the, the negative comments uh, towards Sasha and Justin Merrim have been um, loud. They've been uh, quite uh, numerous, but I also think that they're largely unwarranted. I think that the, those two players do a lot of things that are good on the field, and they don't always come off, but they are showing more creativity than most of the players on the field. I think that they've put uh, their team in a position to score goals. They each have a few assists. They, uh, you know, Sasha's got a few goals. Justin's got one, and plus a kind of a big one in the U.S. Open Cup because without that, uh, there's no penalty shootout. Um, you know, it, it was a little luck involved, but hey, you got to be good to be lucky sometimes. So I would say both of those individuals are trying. They're doing what they can. They're not always put in the best positions to succeed and honestly i'm not quite certain that they work together that well in terms of the fact that justin's right-footed uh sasha doesn't seem to like to drift left but justin does like to drift inside and so they sometimes occupy the same space and it kind of breaks down a lot of plays i don't think it's their fault they're they they're the players they are this club went out and got them so you know, clearly there was a plan that we can make these guys work uh, in the same lineup and it hasn't really gelled yet. But I think that, and we've asked them this, it's not something that just comes together right away. Sometimes some of these, some of these partnerships, you know, it's all well and good when you can point to LAFC or if you can point to Atlanta and say, well, look at those guys. They just, they just signed a couple guys and they're, they're, you know, they're working really well together. That's great. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it does not. And this is, looks like a case where it has not happened. It hasn't gelled yet. And maybe the new coach will make that happen. And maybe uh, it won't. Uh, maybe I thought that Sasha looked good in the U.S. Open Cup game operating deeper where he wasn't in Justin's way and wasn't running into those same spaces. Um, I don't know, Dave, what do you think? I think that you went uh, with the entirely um, logical answer that uh, was serious. And so since we know this question was also maybe not so serious, <laughs> I'm going to go with the not so serious and say that, yes, they are indeed actually cyborgs from the future who have come back to try and destroy Orlando City. And they appear, like in the movie, they appear to be doing a good job of it initially. However, I think that they'll both get a heart like uh, Terminator did in, in T2. Um, and eventually um, it, it will all come around and we'll get a big thumbs up from both of them as they drown in molten lava. <laughs> Let's hope they don't drown in molten lava. No, of course. 
Actress not, but I had to I had to continue with the thing. All right. So James wants thank you, Lee, for the question. James wants to know in the email since MLS is different from other leagues in the amount of travel required, the number of hot games played, the number of midweek games scheduled, MLS Open Cup. Would it be a good idea to increase the number of subs allowed from three to four or five? This would contribute uh, to player health and game quality. This would also allow players who are in good shape, but not 90 minute shape to play and contribute such as players coming back from injuries. What do you think of that idea, Dave? Um, it's, well, it's interesting. I don't see it ever happening, but uh, he's, he's not wrong. Um, it, it would be, it would do all the things that he says that it would do. Mm-hmm. However, I, given that, um, MLS is a part of a larger, you know, global marketplace, I, I just don't see it happening, especially as, as MLS is trying to establish themselves as, you know, a league among the other premier leagues in the, in the world. So I, I, I don't think that they would do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, like I said, he's, he's not wrong. I just, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. I don't disagree that it would probably be uh, more qualitative soccer. I think it would be a good thing in a lot of ways, but I think you're right. I think that the, the, you know, the, the big European leagues would sneer even more at the, than they already do at MLS. And, oh, look, those babies need four or five subs. And, you know, it, it's not real football. and all Which is that. unimaginable <laughs> yeah. given how much they already sneer. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think – I don't see it happening. But I do think that this would be a league that would lend itself to that. Um, I wouldn't go above four. Uh, I think it's a good idea. But I think that – Maybe you get those three subs, but you get a fourth in case of an actual real injury, which means, you know, if the player goes down and needs to be subbed and you have only the fourth sub left, maybe that player can't play in the next game just to make sure that they're actually hurt and not just, uh, you know, uh, taking a dive or, or um, you know, faking an injury or whatever uh, to just to get the sub. I think it's, you know, there, there, there would need to be maybe a consequence there. I'm just spitballing here, Dave. Your spitballing is incredible that was that was a very um i was gonna say thought out but you, you just said you were spitballing but that was a very nuanced uh answer you just gave there so well done sir <laughs> thanks i've i've you know i've clearly given that seconds worth of thought uh but yeah no i, I mean i i could i'm a i'm a guy who can take ideas and run with them dave i guess that's what i'm i guess that's what i'm good at um <laughs> James also had another second thing he put in here, but it's not phrased as a question, so I don't know if it's a question. He says he would like to see the player who earns a penalty kick be the one who takes the penalty kick. That player should be rewarded for what they did, not another player who steps up and gets credit for a goal um, while the PK earner is soon forgotten. Think of the drama this could set up. Um, Interesting concept. I don't know that I would want somebody necessarily to take a penalty kick – that was fouled necessarily. Like, I don't know if Chris Schuler got fouled in the box on a corner kick that I want him <laughs> taking the penalty. Nothing against Chris Schuler. Nothing might, against Chris. He, he might be a fine penalty taker. But um, we don't know. That's right. But I think I'd rather go with the Ocean Mario tune maybe. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is strange. You know, a lot of times the, the guy who takes the, the, the foul in is basketball. Right. I mean, a lot of times the, the guy that takes the foul in the box is, you know, like, he's got a dead leg for a minute, you know, cause he's taking a shot and, sure. you know, sometimes they, they, it's not a good idea for them to take it. I mean, you know, you take a knock to the knee or you take a, you know, a, you know, 
hit to the solar plexus and you got the wind knocked out of you a little bit, maybe that's not the best time for you to step up and in a big moment. But um, uh, I understand where you're coming from. It would be an interesting rule. Uh, I don't support it, though. I, I don't either. because and, and here's why. It's one of those it when you're looking at it on the face, you're like, yeah, because that guy that's taking the penalty kick against us is not that good if, if it's the guy that had the penalty and instead they don't stick Harry Kane up there against us. Yeah. But if it's your team, you're like, oh, no, no, no. I want Yoshimaru Yotun to take that for me. Please, please, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the way I see it. And uh, like I said, it, it just sometimes it's just not feasible. You, you know, some guy needs a Sometimes a guy needs a few minutes to recover from some of the hits they take that, that create those penalties. So so what are you going to do? Just like guy gets stretchered off and then you got to wait till he's ready to return to do the penalty. I don't, right. think, I don't think that would work. So anyway, uh, thanks, James, for the email. Uh, Dave, you got some questions via the Twitter box. We do. So we've got a uh, we've got one that was um, a little bit after we uh, recorded the last one. Um I asked the following about a 5-4-1 with the three center backs, U.S. Open Cup. 3-4-3 was more or less the same point. Uh, this was Ryan Smith. You actually already alluded to this, and you yeah. gave him a shout-out. Yeah, I did. Never mind. So we're going to go past that one. <laughs> so next it's okay. We've got, got more here. Let me get to it. Ah, uh, Cameron Hughes uh, says... Uh, Latal, and of course he's referring to Alex, stated clearly in his press conference that, quote, this is not a rebuild and that, quote, this is our group. With this roster, is there any foreseeable change coming to coming in the 18 players we select every game or are we just supposed to figure it out as is per the front office? Oh, I think that you'll see some changes to the 18. I think this is a deep enough team that when everybody's healthy, you can see some changes to the 18. But I also think that when the window comes, some things could happen. I mean, we don't know how much interest that uh, Yoshimar Yotun's World Cup performances have, have drummed up in him. That's a, a case where maybe somebody makes an offer that the club can't turn down. Um, and then they'll use turn, turn around, try to flip that TAM money. Uh, you know, he, Yoshi is a TAM player. They can just f turn around and flip that and pay for somebody else to come in and take that spot. Um, you know, there's there's uh, some solid defensive midfielders on this team somebody might be in need of. Uh, so there's a possibility of some, some personnel change. I do expect at least some change in this window. And, God, I hope the team can bring in a striker. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, so to answer Cameron's question, um, yes, this is our group. Um, whoever comes in is going to be expected to deal with the group as it is, at least initial, initially, right. like you said, there, there are some, there are some things that could change. Uh, you mentioned defensive midfielders, obviously, I'm, I think you're thinking of Christian Higita who has had a, you know, fairly good year and might be worth some money. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it, it, it's all going to depend really on how soon we get the coach in and, and how much time he has to uh, scout or if he already has people on his scouting list that he wants to bring in based on who already is ever here. It, it, there's um, the, the, the questions are, are way uh, more numerous than any answers that uh, we or the, the club have at this time. So um, 
you know, Alex was very clear that uh, they went out and they made um, acquisitions based on the guys that they think are good. And I don't necessarily disagree with them. I think that, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think Mueller was a, an incredible acquisition. I think that, uh, as you mentioned not too long ago, uh, both Marin and, and Clushin could potentially work together. There's, there's a, it is a deep team. We just haven't seen any of it because we've had between injuries and international call-ups, we haven't ever had the entire team together. So, uh, but you're right. We need a striker. So, um, <laughs> if they can, very, if few, they can, very few games uh, together for the, the initial group. But I do think that, um, there'll be some movement. There always is. I think that I just, I just think that there, it really does depend on the coach. I mean, if you bring in a coach, let's say you brought in Jesse Marsh right now, as I said, all of a sudden Jesse Marsh became available and you brought him in. Well, he's already shown that he's willing to part with Sasha Kleshin because of his high energy, high pressing, you know, high up the field in your face, you know, kind of, uh, you know, system that he thinks Sasha might not be suited for that anymore. So he's going to, you know, a coach like that who has a system that requires certain attributes from certain players, not everybody on this roster is going to fit what that guy wants to do. Um, so, you know, if you bring in another four, two, three, one guy who's uh, possession based, you know, he's got he's got the players he needs. If you bring in somebody that runs uh, something completely different, he might not have the pieces that he needs. So um, I think that what. I think I, I understand where Alex is coming from, and Alex did say that there there's always one or few, you know one or two changes, but I do I think he wanted to really stress that he doesn't think that this roster needs to be overhauled. I think he's basically saying fans, we promise this is not going to be another major rebuild, you know the third one already, right. but I don't it's disingenuous to make that promise until you know who your who your coach is going to be. Correct. And it, it sends all kinds of bad messages, but you know, we, yeah, it, that says maybe. And we've um, all been in job interviews where we say, Oh yeah, totally. I know how to do that. And it, <laughs> and then you go home and you Google it. <laughs> I, I, yes. But I really hope that our next coach is not Googling how to soccer. <laughs> That's right. But you know, we've, we've, we've all said, you know, promised that we would do things for a new employer to get hired. That doesn't right. yeah, I, know, I know Excel. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're always being our most uh, absolute truthful at that time. Um, all right, what else we got in that Twitter box? Yeah, we've got uh, uh, David Valentine. Um, is this season salvageable, realistically speaking? And should Orlando City go all in on the Open, club, open Cup if playoffs are out of reach? I would say that, yes, it's potentially salvageable. But it really needs to start happening even before the new coach is hired. That there needs to be some points earned here in the interim to keep the team right around the line if it's got any chance of happening. Um, a lot of times, what happens, what you saw at the beginning of the year, even with uh, Giovanni Savarisi in Portland, is struggles to connect, struggles to to get everybody on the same page. But once they got rolling, I mean, I don't think they've lost a game since Orlando City beat them. Um, you know, Portland has shown that they can play under him. So if, if that situation happens, yeah, I think they're going to need a few points to, to kind of tread water. I don't know if those points are coming, but it is certainly possible uh, that it could happen. And as far as going all in on the open cup, I mean, 
look, you're 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 playing MLS teams from here on out unless Louisville City gets through. So you have to play your best to you have to go all in on it. And you kind of maybe if you're a team like Orlando that's lost seven games in a row in the league play, maybe you need to hope that the other team doesn't go on it, too, just to get that little edge. Yeah, indeed. And and I think uh, this has always been one of those, um, um, you know, cut the baby in half uh, questions for me. I, I don't know that it has to be an either or thing. I, I get that with injuries and, and time played, as we saw with, you know, guys going 120 minutes, that it, it sometimes can be forced to be in a either or. But if you work the roster correctly, it doesn't have to be. Um, do we go in? for the open cup yeah of course we do i mean we're we've made it as far as we've made it before why not continue to try and and get further um so yeah put put the best lineup that you have available at the time um at the same time you know so we've got atlanta coming up do we expect bobby murphy to you know not put the best lineup out there no of course not so uh, for me it's it's never been a um either or proposition and i i would hope that the club wouldn't do so. Now, that being said, I mean, we saw what happened to Toronto early in the, in the year when they were in champion, CONCACAF champions, but, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it's a really hard question. Is the season salvageable, salvageable? Um, realistically speaking, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm going to be the pessimist this time. I know usually I'm the optimist. I'm going to be the pessimist. I'm going to say it's 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 looking dimmer and dimmer every week, and I mm-hmm. don't necessarily expect it to get any any brighter because, frankly, you know you have to get the new coach in, and like you said, unless he's a, a Jason Christ doppelganger, which if he is, that's not going to solve any of the problems, or it may, depending on what's going on. But regardless, getting changing a coach midseason is never ever ever a good thing and it's going to make it tough no matter what right and even though people will say well what about seattle two years ago well this isn't seattle two years ago because that, that was an internal there's always hire. an outlier yeah there was an out that was an internal hire it was a guy who knew the players it had, they had a and it they had a an informed clint dempsey an informed jordan morris uh one of the deepest rosters in mls that was that was not the same thing um at that time so yeah you're right it's always an outlier exactly it's the same thing that i always say to well well you know the atlanta came in and was successful right away that's that should have been us well it's, it's not normal it's not normal it's it's just not the norm it's not what normally happens yes it's possible and like i like i said it was still salvageable that doesn't mean I believe that it'll be salvaged. That just means that I think it, it it's possible. Exactly. I couldn't <laughs> I could not agree more. All right. Um, one last one, and this one's a fun one from um, returned friend of the podcast, Mark Johnson. Who would you pick as the next coach out of anyone ever? That's pretty freaking easy for me. I'm gonna say. Uh, treble era Sir Alex Ferguson. Okay, just gonna leave it that. Just, uh, just you know. That's all whatever. I need. Yeah, sure. what, what else do you need? That's I mean, like... If you're going with somebody from that's currently coaching, I mean, anybody in the world, Pep Guardiola. That's not gonna happen. Sure, <laughs> no, it's not. But well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going. To, my answer is a very specific one, and it's in regards to Mark Johnson, who is a uh, toffee. Um, 
I'm going to go with Jurgen Klopp just to annoy Mark. Um, and for my own satisfaction of having somebody that lively on the sidelines giving hugs to the Orlando City Lions. <laughs> All right. Well, that will that'll do it for our mailbag, right, Dave? That's it. That's that's everything I got. All right. Well, thanks for everybody for your questions. Uh, we appreciate it. You can ask us anything on Twitter. At the mainland is our Twitter account. Hit us up with that hashtag AskTMLPC or email us at themainland at gmail.com. Dave, before we get out of here, uh, we want to mention again the Pride are at the Dash tonight, if you're getting this, the day it lands. Uh, Wednesday night, of course, the 27th. And uh, they host the Courage on Saturday at 3.30. But Orlando City is going to Atlanta Saturday night. I need your key matchups and your score prediction for the rivalry that doesn't have a name because it's not really a rivalry yet <laughs> right although to be fair i don't really like what those we, guys what do we call it the southeast showdown isn't that what we we decided that's that what I, called? yeah it was the, the southeast showdowners i don't remember i, I don't i care and i don't care uh, <laughs> right all right anyway my key matchup is going to be um it's in the midfield. Um, they've got Almiron. They've got Barco. Uh, can Higita, Roselle, uh, if we have Yoshi back, is he able to do anything? It, it's it's all about um, how the midfield can, can play against those guys and, and potentially slow them down um, because they – they are great. They have a lot of firepower and they score bunches. Um, especially with uh, Villalba, Villalba and um, Martinez up top. Uh, I hate doing this, but uh, my prediction, unfortunately, is going to be a 3-1 loss. Uh, the Lions continue the losing streak and... Um, and I have to uh, I have to deal with my Atlanta friend here in town. Yeah, I think the key matchup for me is certainly in the midfield because Atlanta likes to turn you over and then break you down in transition, and that's certainly something Orlando's been susceptible to. Uh, I specifically think the key matchup will be on the right side of Orlando City and the left side attack of. Uh, Atlanta, because we typically see Al Marone on that side, and uh, he's the guy who can start a two-pass sequence for a breakaway uh, at any given moment. So don't turn the ball over, Christian Nagita. Don't turn the ball over Will Johnson or Scott Sutter, whoever's on the right side. Just don't do it, because then you're yanking it out of Joe Bendick's net, and I see the prediction here as 4-1 to Atlanta. Had to one up me. I was gonna say three to one, but you took it, so I didn't want to be a copycat. So I said, been a, "Be a copycat one time." Right. That's every time I, like the last three weeks, I've I've stolen your prediction. Just go ahead and copycat me once. Yeah. So somehow Orlando City gets a phantom penalty the way that Atlanta did a few weeks ago, and gets a goal from the spot, and then still gets absolutely waxed because I just don't think this team is in a good spot mentally right now. That's uh, that's how I see it breaking down. Yeah, no, I'm. It's uh, <laughs> we're both predicting a multi-goal loss, so uh, I I think we'll both be correct, although maybe not on the exact scoreline. Well, the the fact is, I watched Portland Atlanta last weekend, and I saw Joseph Martinez miss at least three sitters that he will never miss again in his life. 
And I said, that's going to hurt Orlando next week because next week he's just going to be deadly. He's going to be scoring goals. He has no business scoring since he missed these goals. He had no business missing. Of course. Because that's how it yeah. goes. Yeah, well, <laughs> our our only hope is that they make that Everton move very, 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 very quickly. <laughs> like today. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the, the rumor is that Everton has an eye on Joseph Martinez. I don't know if that's accurate because it's the silly season and you never know what's true in the silly season um and of course i, I, re- I recall that... everton being uh, linked to kyle laren at one point that didn't happen no it did not and of course i'm conflicted because as a liverpool fan i don't want everton to have any nice things at all but at the same time i also don't want martinez to stay at atlanta so i it's i can't win in this scenario just can't win can't win don't try bart simpson well, no, that was Homer Simpson that said, um, you tried and you failed. The lesson is, don't try. Yeah, I think also that there was a line from Bart that said, yep, can't win, don't try. That's oh, yeah, you're think, probably right. Well, obviously, obviously something he learned from Homer. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, see, he was not such a bad dad after all, was he? Like, no, I don't think he actually was. <laughs> I really don't. You go back and look. I, sorry, folks, we're going to go off on a slight tangent here. If you go back and look, Homer's actually not a bad dad. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not a great dad. But yeah. he, he he cares about, well, he doesn't care about the kids. But, you know, he kind of does. He Yeah, he does when it suits him. But, yeah, should, generally <laughs> speaking, you shouldn't choke your children. <laughs> Why are you? Anyway, with that, I think we will uh, put a bow on episode number 131. Uh, I definitely had a good time. Uh, not so much talking about Orlando City, but talking <laughs> certainly uh, to Shane O'Neill uh, and talking about the pride. And I think absolutely. Um, and, and of course, uh, ans- hearing from our listeners and answering their questions. So uh, we will be back to do it again next week. We'll talk about Orlando City and Atlanta United, uh, the big Southeast showdown that has never been won by Orlando City yet. Um, we will talk about the pair of pride matches. We have so much pride this week. We have a double dip of our of our beloved pride. Beloved and pride. so enjoy it yes. for goodness sake. So, Go enjoy it. They yeah. might win. Pride Dash and Pride Courage. All of the singular nickname teams <laughs> playing except, <laughs> except the Spirit, which was last week. Uh, and the Rain. Oh, my God. They're all uh, – I think everybody put the thorns in the they're, royals. And they're so efficient. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember when there were no singular name teams, and then it seemed really weird that there needed to be a team named the Magic, <laughs> you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, just – and the Heat. Those were odd, odd additions to the sports world at the time. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be back to talk about a couple of Pride games. We'll be back to talk about Orlando City. And who knows? We might have more to talk about on the uh, the coaching search by the next time that you and I uh, speak. And we will, of course, be previewing uh, the early part of July, which uh, includes uh, Orlando City's first ever trip to LAFC. And, uh, man, just uh, the summer just rolls on with a a lot more to talk about, and uh, we'll be back to do it next week. So uh, thanks uh, again to Shane O'Neill. Thanks to Rafa Cabrera from the uh, Orlando City front office for setting that for us. And uh, um, 
I uh, would like to uh, tell you to please read our stuff at themainland.com. Uh, subscribe to this year podcast if you're downloading it every week that's great we appreciate that but if you subscribe it's even better for us that's awesome uh, and if you write a five-star review that's even better yeah then we'll read on the air whenever i remember to look whenever i remember to look <laughs> and see one then i'll read it but it air. will get read doesn't yeah. matter when michael yeah, looks we'll read it it will sometimes it's two or three episodes before i like but and this has been a crazy week. But anyway, uh, read our stuff. Uh, like us on uh, Twitter. Follow us on Facebook uh, or other way around. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, on that note, on behalf of Dave Rowe, I am Michael Citro, the managing editor and founder. Uh, I can't even speak of the mainland.com signing off the way I always do by saying go city and go pride. <laughs>